Get ready. Fasten your seatbelts. Headphones on. Speakers turned up. This is a Cast Iron Ring Network podcast. Get ready for Blast Off. Hey, this is Chuck Billy from Testament right here on Mars Attack. Hey, this is Tim Ripper Owens. This is Bobby Bliss from Overkill. You stay tuned. Hey, this is Ron Bumble for Fall of Guns N' Roses, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dave Winner from Monster Magnet. Hello, everybody. This is Michael Kiske talking. Hey, this is Richard Patrick from Stilter. Hey, everybody, what's happening? This is John Bush, and you're cranking it up on Mars Attacks. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Don Jameson from That Metal Show on VH1 Classic. Hey, everybody, this is your big daddy Gene Hoagland. This is Kurt Winstein from Crowbar. Hey, man, this is Dolo Passion. Hi, this is Carolina Peace, and you're listening to Mars Attack. Yow! Hi, yeah, okay, so hey, this is Paul Shortino. How you doing? Formerly of Rough Cut, Quiet Riot, and currently with King Cobra. You're listening to Mars Attack. <laughs> hey, what's up, everyone? This is Mark from Chimera. This is Vinny Apsey from Kill Devil Hill, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, this is Richard Christie from the band Charred Walls of the Damned on Metal Blade Records, and you are listening to Mars Attack. Yeah, this is John Schaefer from Iced Earth, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. This is Mark Zavon from Kill Devil Hill, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hi, this is Eric Wagner from The Skull, and you are listening to Mars Attacks. Hi, this is Ole Olson from The Skull, and you're listening to Mars Attacks.
Welcome, one and all, to episode 62 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I am your host, Victor. And with this episode, we have... It's two interviews, but it's three different people. Uh, We're going to kick things off with Mark Zavon of Kill Devil Hill. Been discussing Kill Devil Hill at great length these past few weeks. Had Rex Brown on. Had Vinny Apice on as well. If you haven't checked those interviews out, go back and listen to them. We also have Oli Olson and Jeff Wagner from The Skull. Now, those names may sound familiar, but you may not be able to place them with the band. Um, The Skull, they're actually members of, or former members of Trouble. And they reached out to see if they could come on and discuss the band. And I said, sure, why not? Uh, I think Trouble is a very interesting band, a very influential band. Uh, One of the first bands that took, I would say, a certain blueprint sort of went in their own direction with it. And I think a lot of people came after them and sort of realized, you know what, we can do something like that as well. Uh, So Eric and uh, Oli are back, and they have this band, and we're going to talk to them as well. Um, if this is the first time that you're listening to the Mars Attacks podcast, just know that you can listen to or download these episodes directly off of the website, marsattacksradio.com. You can also subscribe to it via iTunes and download it from there as well. Uh, also want to let you know that we do have a Facebook page, Google+, Twitter, and a bunch of other great social networks that we're associated to. Just go to the homepage of MarsAttacksRadio.com and you'll find all the pertinent links on the right-hand side. If you're part of any of the social networks that are there, feel free to look us up, like us, tell all of your friends about us, and uh, help spread the word of Mars Attacks. Uh, Also, if this isn't the first time that you've listened to the show, you'll notice that at the beginning there's a little lead-in where I mentioned uh, that we're part of the Cast Iron Ring. Excuse me there for a second. Um, The Cast Iron Ring, yes. The Cast Iron Ring is a network of podcasts that Mars Attacks is part of. And the Cast Iron Ring is a bunch of great different shows. And we're going to let a good friend of the show, Scott from Focus on Metal... Tell us all about the cast iron ring right now. Want more great music podcasts like this one? Well, there's only one place to go, and that place is castironring.com. It's your one stop shop for all your music podcasts. Eight podcasts all in one spot. Stand up and Metalheads, you can't beat shit like that. Of course, you've got Focus on Metal on there, as well as Radioactive Metal with Rock and Snowy talking all about metal. Great interviews, good stuff. Got to check them out. My buddy Aaron with Signal to Noise. If you want to get all of your gear fixed, talking about all kinds of guitars and amps and making music and all of that good stuff, you have to hit it with Aaron at Signal to Noise. And then, of course, the man who founded all this crap is John Caddick. 
You've heard him here on Focus on Metal with Iron City Rock. So if you like the interviews that John does for Focus on Metal, then of course you want to catch more of that with John on his regular show, Iron City Rocks. And then of course, the mighty Bob Nalbandian with the Shockwaves Hard Radio Podcast, as well as his new Roundtable Podcast, the Skull Sessions Podcast, here in Conversations Roundtable style with all kinds of great metal experts not to be missed. And then, of course, my man Stevie with the Bone Hand Heavy Half Hour. Good stuff to be had there. It's short, half an hour, put some metal in your ears and go away happy. You can't beat that one. And then the new kid on the block, Victor, with the Mars Attacks Radio, direct from Europe. You can't beat that. We've gone international metal, brothers. That's right. And where's all this stuff? Like I said, castironring.com. Go there and make your metal heart happy. Shining through the candle of deception. There you go. So that is the little intro regarding Cast Iron Ring. And what do we have going on here? We have episode 86 of Focus on Metal. They title it Mega Hail. Um, Bill Hale returns to Focus on Metal to talk about his new book on Megadeth. Another time, a different place. So they discuss that. Iron City Rocks. They have Dave Ellison from Megadeth and Burton C. Bell from Fear Factory. On their latest episode. And you have my last episode with Vinny Apice that I mentioned. So what I like to do is sort of give a shout out to everyone there on the Cast Iron Ring. And let you guys know that there are a lot of great other shows out there. And other great episodes and interviews uh, that are offered via the Cast Iron Ring. So go to castironring.com and check everything out. We also have an app up on iTunes. And what that allows you to do is... Check out all the various podcasts through through your iPhone, for example, or iPad. You can subscribe directly from there. You could go to our home pages, Twitter, so on and so forth. So it's a, a neat little way to uh, you know keep up with everything that uh, pertains to focus on metal, all under one nice little roof. But uh, yeah, um, we're gonna get into some music. You know, I always like to play some tunes before getting into the interview section, you know, things that I've either just bought or received in the mail and, um, and just want to, you know, spread the word of of these bands, you know, in the end, uh, honestly, I'm a fan first and foremost. Um, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, you journalists and I'm like me journalist, I I guess so, (laughs) you know, um, I just consider myself a fan like you guys. And if I can, you know, sort of talk to some cool people, talk about some great music and spread the word, you know, I'm more than happy to do so. You know, why why not? You know, there's plenty of crap that you listen to on, on you know, a daily basis out there on radio now. So why not try to bring, you know, something different? And I know that my show isn't for everyone. I know that some people will say, well, you know, guy's a goof or his voice sucks or whatnot, you know, eh. Whatever, you know, that's that you're entitled to that opinion. That's cool. You know, I, I got no problem with that. But uh, anyway, so we're going to check out some um, some new music right now. Let's check out something off of the new album by The Cult. The Cult is one of my all-time favorite bands. 
And um, I've been waiting for this album since last year. They've been announcing it since then. And let's check something out off of it. This is Choice of Weapon. This is the first track, Honey from a Knife. I heard it and instantly loved it. So let's get into this track right now. Honey from the Knife off of Choice of Weapon by The Cult. from a knife cool cool track at least in my opinion uh let's get into some shadows fall we played some shadows fall in the last episode i've uh, been listening to the album all week and really enjoying it uh the name of this track is divide and conquer by shadows fall <laughs> Reprogram, rock conscience, 
with Divide and Conquer coming off of fire from the sky. Let's move things forward here. Gypsy Hawk will be releasing an album soon. I actually helped out with a Kickstarter promo that they had going on. So as a result, I was sent an MP3 that will be on the new album. The name of this track is Hedge King by Gypsy Hawk. Oh, 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 oh,
there's a little Gypsy Hawk with the track Hedge King. Up next, the Seattle band Snail. They just released an album called Terminus. You can actually download it for free off of their Bandcamp site. You can pay for it as well, uh, but you can download it for free. Anyway, the name of this track is Galaxy's Lament. It's one of the coolest tracks that I've heard uh, all year. And I wanted to include it somewhere, just didn't work out with the other episodes, and I'm bringing it to you here. So this is Snail off of Terminus with Galaxy's Lament. There you go, little snail with galaxies lament. Moving forward, the sword. The sword has just released a single, and the name of it is Hammer of Heaven. Let's check it out right now.
the sword. Hammer of heaven. Anyway, let's get into the interview section of the podcast, because I'm sure that's what most of you are here for. Anyway, we're going to get into a little Kill Devil Hill. Interestingly enough, they just released a video. I heard the song featured in the video for the first time when I saw the video. Um, I've had this album for quite some time, since February, and what happened was the album has been remixed a bunch of times. There's been a bunch of different stops and starts with launching this album. And this is an extra track that they've that that they went ahead and they integrated into the album. Um, as I mentioned before, Rex sort of dropped the um, let the cat out of the bag per se. I'll mention this during the interview with Mark um, that they have six to eight tracks ready for perhaps another album. Uh, Mark clarifies this, but anyway, I'm assuming that this track, Strange is from that uh, from that batch of songs that could have possibly come out in another album. It isn't included in uh, what was sent to me by SPV way back when. But anyway, we're going to get into Strange from Kill Devil Hill. Then we'll get into the interview, come out with more music from Kill Devil Hill, and then get into the section by Eric Wagner and Oli Olsen from The Skull.
get through them. I've actually spoken to Vinny and Rex in the past, so I, cool. I referenced them uh, on a few occasions, so I do apologize for that, but uh, just trying to get your side of things. Yeah, all right. No problem, dude. I definitely have a side. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and I'm sure that with them being in the band with, obviously, Vinny's past and Rex's past, do you feel that you and Dewey sort of fly under the radar when it comes to uh, the band, or do you feel more pressure with trying to live up with perhaps what they've done in the past? Well, I mean, nobody really knows who we are. I mean, we're certainly, you know, unknown by the standards that those guys have set. And, uh, but I don't know. I mean, there, there's there's some pressure there, but I think it's, you know, it's comfortable pressure because when the four of us are together, we're just doing what we do naturally. You know, Dewey sings the way he sings. I play the way I play. We write the way we write. And, you know, when, when we put it together, it sounds it sounds great. I think it sounds great. So, you know, we're, we're really comfortable, the four of us together, and, and I think that translates through the music. Okay. And um, I have to agree with you because I do feel that this is one of the strongest albums to have come out so far this year, easily. Thank top you. three, top five, without a doubt, uh, in awesome. my opinion, anyway. So, Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, no problem. No no problem at all because I, like I said, absolutely love the album. Um, when I spoke to Vinny, I mentioned this. Uh, I mentioned that the band reminds me a lot of Led Zeppelin and The Who, and for this specific reason, not so much the music, but the way that the music is brought forth. There's a very strong rhythm section, uh, but there's a guitarist in yourself who's sort of the glue that keeps everything together, like, say, uh, Jimmy Page or how uh, Pete Townsend was in those respective bands, where usually you have a bass player that brings everything together, or even the drummer. In this band, it seems to me like you're filling in all the gaps weaving in back and forth and sort of making everything come together in gel. Well, thanks, man. I really appreciate that. I, those guys, they make it easy for me, though. I mean, I have to admit, you know, you got Rex Brown and Vinny Appleseed playing together. It's like Godzilla walking down your street. You know what I mean? It's undeniable. <laughs> right. And so it gives me plenty of room to do whatever it is that I'm going to do. And, you know, being compared to Jimmy Page or Pete Townsend is such a compliment. I mean, I grew up listening to those guys. You know, and I and I love the Who. I love Zeppelin, and you know, I I hope that you know if there's any kind of a correlation, then I'm happy about it for sure. Okay, awesome. Um, the other thing that uh, Vinny mentioned was that this whole band sort of started out with you and him jamming. Um, how did you sort of come together with Vinny, and how did everything evolve from there? Well, it's an interesting story. Uh, Vinny and I did get together kind of kind of first, but, but we weren't jamming because he had just uh, gone through a so shoulder surgery, and so he couldn't play. He had these drum tracks, about 12 of them, that he had recorded for some download deal, and so right. he started working on those. And by the time that he had finished his uh, you know, uh, physical therapy and, and finished up with the surgery and was back to normal again and he could actually play, we had like seven songs completed and ready to go before we'd ever played a single note together. So it's an right. interesting little story there. But, but yeah, it was Vinny and I that got together primarily, you know, or first of all, and then uh, Jimmy Bain was, was in there, you know, the three of us. And then, 
he asked me if I knew a singer, and I, I told him I knew Dewey from a previous project that never really saw the light of day, and I knew Dewey was perfect for the for the band because he has that, that tone, that kind of a dark side to him that, that's perfect for where Vinny was trying to go. And right. uh, so we, we kind of put it all together, and then things didn't work out with Jimmy, and uh, so we wound up you know looking for bass players. We auditioned a few guys, and then somebody recommended uh, the Vinny call Rex and he'd known him from years, you know, of touring together and stuff like that. So, uh, Rex was interested. We sent him some demos. He played some bass on it and we were blown away. It was the, it was the missing link. We didn't know we were missing, you know, it was just, you right. know, kind of tied it all up in a tight little package. Cool. Um, as far as working with the band, you obviously said that everyone sort of, throws their own sort of uh, pieces into the mix to, to make up Kill Devil Hill. But how does this band vary from any of the other bands you've been in in the past? Um, well, I mean, it's... I guess every band has their own chemistry, but uh, it's... I don't know. I mean, it, it feels really natural. You know, that's one thing I can certainly say is that when we start putting stuff together, you know, it's just really comfortable. You know, everybody has input and we're all pointed in the same direction. Sometimes in bands, at least bands that I've been in, there there are people that want to go in a different direction. And so it winds up kind of, you know, there are arguments or it's stylistically people aren't on the same page or, you know, they're not headed toward the same goal. But in this band, we're all headed in the same direction and we all want it to kind of wind up in the same place. So, when everybody starts pushing something in, in the same direction, you know, it just it picks up speed and and velocity, man. It, it's it's really cool. Yeah, and that's one thing that you keep mentioning is how natural everything is. Uh, when I spoke to Rex, until he mentioned, you know, we recorded this on Pro Tools, it all of a sudden like sort of smacked me in the face, and I was like, holy shit, it was actually recorded digitally. It feels like the album was recorded like 30 years ago, 40 years ago, in the sense that it has a very natural, a very warm, a very dynamic feel, very atypical to how a lot of bands are recorded nowadays, where everything just seems so linear, so sort of the same with every other band uh, out there. Um, But at the same time, it does sound very modern. Well, thanks, man. I mean, we did... We are kind of, you know, I mean, vintage meets modern in a lot of ways. I mean, like, we went in there to record. We didn't, you know, there was no click track. Vinny just absolutely played it straight from the heart, you know. We just kind of, you know, did it old school, the way they did a lot of those old school records. And hopefully, it sounds like that translated, you know, through the the digital domain and kind of, you know, sounded a little more like the old school stuff. Because... That's what we grew up on, you know. I mean, there's no right. denying, you know, the fact that we were all influenced by, you know, a lot of that early stuff. And so, you know, to be able to capture some of that was definitely, you know, our goal. Okay. And um, I wanted to ask you about your gear, specifically at the beginning of Voodoo Doll, which is possibly my favorite song on the album. You use either a tremolo or a, a chopper type effect. Um what effect do you use at the beginning of the track? And can you describe um, the gear that you normally use in the studio as opposed to what you use on the road? Um, yeah, sure. The, the beginning of that Voodoo Doll track is, uh, is a tremolo. It's a tap tempo tremolo. And it's basically just going with the tempo of the song or whatever. And uh, 
Yeah, it, we stumbled across it. It was actually Vinny's idea. We were in this oh. here at my, I have a little home studio here, and, and we were doing the beginning of that track, and he's like, do you have an effect you could put on there? And I just started wheeling through some effects on a pod that I had, and that one happened to come right. up, and he's like, oh, that's cool, you know? And so we started messing with it, got the tempo lined up, and then, you know, put it together, and he's like, yeah, let's do that, you know? And so uh, so I kind of had my hands full trying to find a trying to find a, an effect that would do that live, but Line 6 makes one that's, it's a pedal with a tap tempo. It's pretty cool anyway. So that's what I'm doing with that. And as far as like uh, uh, amps and stuff, I, I really like Bogner. I worked there for a little while, and those guys make amazing stuff. And so uh, I love their amplifiers, cabinets, you know, that sort of thing. And uh, I've, I've used Marshall for years as well. I've got some of that stuff. And I've got a couple of Gibson SGs I've been playing, you know, since I've been in this band. But uh, I've been working with Dean guitars and it looks like uh there's a, they're making me a custom cadillac here it should be done well hell i wish it were done right now boy i'm chomping at the bit to get my hands on that thing let me tell you but uh but it's going to be beautiful man those guys are really really cool down there i had the chance to go down and visit the custom shop everybody in there was super cool to me you know josh everybody was super cool and uh it's quite a facility they have down there it's really impressive they they really do amazing work so i'm really looking forward to working with them Anything specific with your custom model that um, that you wanted them to put together for you as far as pickups or as far as the frets are concerned or even the, the way that – or any other way that the guitar is set up specifically for you? Sure, yeah. Um, it doesn't have the, the standard four – I'm not a big fan of the, the Les Paul four-knob thing. I don't like tone knobs. I've never used them, so – uh, it's just a couple of volumes and a, and a uh, pickup selector switch that's going to be on the top there and jumbo frets, which I like. And they did a custom inlay thing for me, these spike inlays that I really wanted, and they gave it, they made that happen for me. Uh, it's got an ebony fingerboard, flame maple top. It's going to be really cool. I'm, and I've got EMGs are going to go in there. I've been working with those guys over at EMG for a little bit here. and uh, Yeah, it's going to be great, man. I'm really stoked. Can't wait to get it going. Cool. Um, and as far as the tuning is concerned, what did you tune to on this album? Um, well, it's probably, I don't know, uh, maybe two-thirds drop D, maybe uh, a third standard tuning. And the whole thing, uh, I think we're tuned a half step down all the way across the board. So we use hip shock detuners, you know, extenders, and right. uh, that kind of makes it easier for us live so we can you know, switch between a drop D or a standard tuning on the fly. Rex even does it in the middle of songs. It's great, man. It's really kind of <laughs> taken to that thing. It's awesome. Okay. And um, out of these songs, uh, you just mentioned that you sort of had a, a hard time finding something to play Voodoo Doll uh, live. What track is the hardest for you to play live? Hmm. Um, well, that's a tough call. I don't know. Um, I don't know. That's that's really tough. I mean, like it depends on, you know, it depends on where we are and what the monitors are like and stuff like that sometimes. <laughs> but uh, right. I don't know. I mean, I, I love playing all of them. Frankly, I mean, I I don't know. I, they're not really. I mean, sometimes, I don't know, like we've got Up in Flames, sometimes the picking part, you know, that's kind of interesting because it's more of a classical thing. 
when you're right. playing it on electric live, you know, you have to kind of, you know, make sure your arms are in the right position and blah, 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 all that guitar player stuff. But nah, it's fine. I mean, they're, they're fine. You know, it's fun to play those songs live. And, you know, sometimes you get a little bit more, uh, energy into it than you would get on uh, the record. You know what I mean? Because when you're playing in the studio, sometimes it's hard to get inspired, you know, right. to, to really play with that fire, you know, that aggressive kind of vibe or whatever. And when you're out live and the people are there and you can, and everybody's sweating and you're into it. I mean, that's magic, man. And that's where, yeah. that's where, you know, all that aggression and all that fire comes from. And, and, you know, that's what I live for. That's, that's the main, you know, that's the most important thing to me. Okay. How important was the tour you guys did at the end of last year? You didn't have the album out, obviously. Um, I'm assuming that to an extent people were waiting for something that either sounded like Sabbath or, or Dio or, or Pantera even because of the right. obvious you know, components involved. How difficult or I'm sorry, how important was that tour for you guys as a band to go out there and sort of start putting the Kill Devil Hill stamp down across the country? Well, I mean, it, it was really important, really, on two fronts. I mean, the, on one front, you got the fact that you got four guys that had never really toured together or lived together or done much together except exchange demos through email, you know, and write songs. Uh, and, you know, we kind of needed to find out how we were going to gel, you know, how is it going to work? You know, can we do shows night after night and can we live together on a bus? You know what I mean? And, you know, all those right. questions needed to be answered. And so, and that luckily was, was a no brainer. It was cool. You know, I mean, the vibe's perfect. It's killer. We've got great chemistry in this band and I'm, I'm really happy about it. And the other thing, but the most important thing, you know, was, was bringing it to the fans and finding out what they were going to think of it. Because at the end right. of the day, this is all about, I mean, we can play these songs all we want in a, in a practice space somewhere, but unless you're going to bring it to the fans, then, you know, what's the, what's the real point? Music is entertainment. So we wanted to make sure people were going to, you know, respond to it and enjoy it and, and get into it the way, same way we are. And when we got out there and started playing these shows to, like, between 50 and 150 people, I mean, nobody knew who we were. So it was, you know, kind of, it was really hitting us <laughs> out there right. and, but the people that did show up, you know, I mean, there was an instance where there was a guy uh, standing, you know, it was kind of a half-empty club, and he's standing in the back with his arms crossed, and then, you know, he takes a couple of steps forward, and his arms aren't crossed, and then he's got one hand in the air, and then he's got both hands in the air, and he's right up front, you know what I mean? So if you can win people over like that, then, right. you know, you're doing something right. I mean, it's all about making people happy, you know what I mean? And the, and the people that... We connected with, we met some great people out on the road last year, and I can't wait to get back to those towns and see those people again. You know, it's going to be a blast. Cool. And this tour that you guys are doing with Adrenaline Mob starts when? Next week. I think next Thursday is our first show in Cleveland, and mm -hmm. uh, it's two weeks. We're going to be, uh, let's see, we're going through Chicago, Texas, Florida, and up the coast. I think it ends in Charlotte on the 22nd, which is also our release date, so... Uh, okay. There might be a little drinking involved. <laughs> <laughs> a little celebration going on, I'm sure. Okay, and you guys are going to be playing the entire album or close to the entire album? Yeah, that's basically what we've been doing, give or take a song or two, depending on you know time constraints or whatever. But but right. yeah, basically just just going through the everything on the record and you know running it down. 
It's uh, it, it's pretty good. I mean, the set that we've got going now has some good, you know, dynamics to it, and and right. yeah, it's working really well. So, and I think with Adrenaline Mob, we're going to be doing the jam at the end, which should be fun. Uh, some covers, prob. I don't know. I'm I'm thinking maybe some Sabbath or some Zeppelin or something like that, and and right. we're just going to get up there and and burn it down, man. It's going to be fun. I can't wait. Yeah, they've been playing Mob Rules live, so I'm sure that'll come up. Oh, there we go. I better brush up on that one. <laughs> um, Vinny, uh, I'm sorry, uh, not Vinny. Rex actually let the cat out of the bag and mentioned that they're about six songs ready for a second album. Um, yeah. Is there already a timetable in place to go out and uh, record that album, or do you guys really want to wait and work this album in before jumping back into the studio? Yeah, I think we're going to try and really tour and support this record first. You know, I think that the fans deserve that, and we don't want to get we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. I don't think. I, I mean, this record's good and it's strong, and I, right. and I want you know I think bringing it to the fans and 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 playing this this music for people is probably the most important thing for us to do right now. You know, and kind of connect with people on that level and. You know, we've got stuff in the can, yeah, and, and, you know, it's it's good stuff. I mean, some of it, there were two or three songs that could have easily been on this record. It, we had, I mean, it, we're pretty lucky to, to have a problem like we've got too many good songs, you know, and we can only play 12 <laughs> right. on the record. But uh, we've got those in the can, and they're they're good. They're not recorded, you know, they're written and demoed. Right. But, uh, and we've got you know, tons of stuff that are just fragments on top of that. So, I mean, there's easily another record with material sitting. It's just a matter of, you know, a couple of weeks, we could probably put it together and, and have demos for a whole record. But we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. I mean, right now, we need to focus on on this debut record and getting out there and supporting that and spreading the word, you know, getting people into this music and, and you know, kind of connecting with people about it, you know? Okay. Cool. Um, there are a lot of people that uh, that are very anxious to uh, to hear the album. I've uh, people write me almost on a daily basis to see if I could uh, uh, play a song or two for them, and I've I've been told not to play anything, so we've kept it at that. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, that's just a temporary condition, and we'll be begging you to play it here shortly. So, this is Mark Zavon from Kill Devil Hill, and you're listening to Mars Attacks.
Doll, one of my favorite tracks to come out this year. That, of course, is Kill Devil Hill. Check that album out. Check them out on tour. They're out there with Adrenaline Mob at the moment. Up next, as promised, The Skull. The Skull, as I mentioned initially, obviously members of Trouble. So let's get into some music by Trouble. This is coming off of Psalm 9, is what the album is known by most. Some people call it just Trouble. Anyway, let's get into track number two off the album. This is Assassin by Trouble. After that, we'll get into the interview with Eric and Oli. Uh, so, so we got a, a few questions here for you regarding the uh, skull. I promise that uh, there won't be any. Uh, why aren't you guys uh, going back to rejoin trouble? Uh, type questions. I'm sure you guys hear your fair share of that. Yeah, we have. Well, why? I mean, people want to know. <laughs> Is that your <laughs> question? 
Is that your question right now? <laughs> no, I mean, I mean uh, if you're presenting a new band, I mean, I'm assuming that one of the last things on your mind is why aren't you going back to another band? Right. Well, we're just, uh, it just didn't work out that way. And, uh, you know, them guys are busy with, they, they want to do their that record that they started. And I can't blame them for that. I would want to, too, you know. So right. when this came up, they really weren't available. And, you know, we were all like, just let's just get a couple guys that will fit in, uh, be a band. And and that's what we did. I, it, it kind of was by accident, these two guys anyway. And that's why it's good, because it wasn't on purpose, you know. And right. Uh, Lothar and Michael, are they've been playing together for like 20 years. They know each other well. So it's just like that guitar team is just sliding into the skull and it's really easy and it just fell into place perfect and we all we couldn't be happier you know yeah it's the fun thing is it's going to be a band you know it's, yeah we're a band, it's a band that's you know launching itself on its its history and now its future and well and even you know because of the trouble thing i i, I wanted somehow to keep to have the its own identity too, in a way, and right. I think we accomplished that too by just concentrating on them first couple albums. People have been dying to hear that shit, um, and them guys don't really do it a lot, you know. And they got a new album to promote too now, so I think both bands are different, even though mm -hmm. uh, even both sets of Trouble music was different from the first two albums, and then when we went to Deaf American, it was kind of a Mach 1, Mach 2, if, if you want to use the old Deep Purple thing, but right. so, so it's cool, both bands are different, and I, it's it's going to be a lot of fun, and I think the fans will dig it to be able to see both both things like that, so. Okay, and uh, when you mentioned uh, the songs that you're going to be playing, uh, I read somewhere that you had sort of been sick of playing the same songs over and over again. Uh, why do you think so many acts get used to playing just a specific set of songs and don't go back and maybe, you know, pull some tracks out for the diehard fans? Well, it's kind of hard to please everyone. I mean, you know, only sometimes on stage I'll goof around and say, what you want to hear, what do you want to hear? And right. 20 different songs come blurting out of people's mouths, you know what I mean, uh, <laughs> towards the stage. And I'm like, you can't, it's hard to please everyone. And you, you do have to please yourself somewhat. And we have like seven records, so it's a lot of material. And um, I, I don't I don't know, you know, and, and some of the newer stuff and older stuff, it's hard to mesh it together. So the sets are good and stuff like that. And, you know, and you forget about your, early days sometimes, you know, and stuff, I guess, I don't know, but it's, I feel like this is full circle for me, and <clears throat> it's it's going to be a blast to go out and do those songs like that again as, as, a, as the skull, you know, and just be that band, like right there and do the, the songs from the first couple albums, and we'll probably throw in a song or two from Plastic Greenhead, that's the only album that uh, Oli, Ron, and I have played on together. Mm -hmm. So we'll probably break out a couple of those too for the fun of it. Yeah. Okay. 
And we would, uh, the old orange gag was. Eric, running gag. Your running gag of uh, a week with, spend a week with trouble. We'll go yeah. through all the albums. <laughs> uh, as, as far as the career that you guys have had, I mean, everyone obviously points to Sabbath as being the starting point uh, for a lot of what you guys sort of sort of took the ball and, and ran with afterwards. But there are also so many bands that sort of took the blueprint that you guys set forth and really ran with that more so than maybe what Sabbath had originally done. Uh, at any point in time, did you guys ever realize, you know, what an influence you guys were on other bands and maybe that other bands were sounding a little too much to what you guys were doing? <laughs> I don't I don't think we thought about being an influence at the, at the time that it was happening. I mean, you know, so where Sabbath is older than us, I mean, their influences were completely different, you know, probably the blues right. in the 60s and all that stuff, the Beatles and things, you know. And uh, so we came along, and at that moment in time, I mean, that's what we were listening to. Sabbath was our favorite band, Priest, then Lizzie. That's, I mean, because we had the, one of the two guitar players. Um so our influences were purple and all those 70s hard rock acts and stuff, and mine too, the Beatles and shit. And so our influences are all over our music too, and, and I think it's at this point right now sitting here, uh, it's pretty flattering for when people say that you, you, we were an influence on someone. I mean, uh, hopefully it's a good influence, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Which it seems to be. So, <laughs> you got something to say? I'm sorry, I'm, I just had a cup of coffee, so I'm. I like it. Oh, Eric has better answers than me, so. <laughs> 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 uh, no. So I think it's um, uh, being an influence on someone actually might be the one of the highest forms of success. I think, especially a positive influence. What a compliment! Holy smokes! Yeah. So. Great compliment. Eric, as far as your voice is concerned, one of the things that, to me, sets what you guys have done in the past apart is your voice. And the the one thing that sort of bugs me about music in general in the last 15 to 20 years is sort of the loss of identity with these bands or the lack of trying to be different and stand out from one another. There are a lot of doom or stoner bands that are coming out, but they all sort of sound the same. Yeah. Your voice really, you know, again, sticks out. How important was it for you to create your own voice, or did it just naturally come that way? I didn't do nothing. I just <laughs> opened my big mouth. I mean, I'm not the greatest singer on the planet or nothing like that, but yeah, you're right. When I do open my big mouth, you know it's me. Uh, right. And I know it's not on purpose. It's just who I am, that's all. So, um, yeah, a lot of bands sound the same, you know. And it, those are their influences. They're just emulating their their influences, you know what I mean? Just like we did at the beginning. We first started the band because we wanted to, because of the bands that we liked, you know. Right. So, uh, yeah, a lot of bands do sound the same, and... Uh, no, I didn't do anything on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I never tried to be a certain way. Or I mean, yeah, I had mine too. Ian Gillen was my favorite singer, you know, and Morrison and 
you know, and Lennon, Roger Waters, those were my guys, you know. Right. And Ollie, as far as uh, your influences are concerned, who would you say really shaped you as a player? Uh, probably my favorite is Carl Palmer when I started, you know, drumming. Right. And but then you gotta then Bill Ward. I mean, my first records that uh, I bought other than 45s and AM radio was Black Sabbath, you know. Um, right. And uh, so Bill Ward's drumming and jazz drumming like that. And then I've been kind of being influenced my whole life. I mean, I was even changed by a trouble member, Barry Stern, uh, to have to play his records uh, live, to have to play the trouble records, and come back into the band or in the Plastic Arena days was quite a unique thing. Um, so I just say that I'm still being influenced. Uh, yeah, that's that's my answer right there. <laughs> that was a good okay. answer. <laughs> Absolutely, you you don't get <laughs> you don't get too many people out there that admit to actually uh, a learning, you know, as they go along in their career, and b actually accepting uh, maybe what someone else did after you know they were in a band. So, <laughs> well, Barry was a good friend in the old old days of trouble. We used to play with E Trope or. Zoetrope, you know, and uh, Barry and I would work downtown, and uh, we just had a good friendship, you know. Uh, we'd go to their shows, they'd come to our shows, and we'd play together. And it just uh, when that happened, uh, uh, you couldn't ask a better dude, I think, during that time period for trouble. Uh, talented drummer, my goodness, yeah. That's cool. Okay. And since you brought up Bill Ward, whenever people talk about Sabbath or talk about even, you know, uh, best drummers in the seventies or this or that. Why do so many people forget about all of the stuff that Bill Ward did and what he contributed to what hard rock and metal, you know, became afterwards? I think he gets upstaged by the intensity of the other charismatic components of Sabbath. Each person in that band is incredible. Incredible. And a lot of times you're you're in the back, but he is part of that, you know, uh, interesting groove with Locked In with Geezer with his distortion. Of course, Tony Iommi's weird style with the low, the light strings with the fingers cut off and uh, caps on his fingers and great, you know, strange, exotic uh, scales and things. And then, of course, Ozzy, man, interesting, bluesy, weird voice that... You know, singing, I don't think singing was like that, you know, you know, I it just, so he, it's just probably the intensity of the other stuff being in front of that drums, drums might've made it, you know, they forgot about him maybe. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think he gets his just, I don't know, but I mean, he, <laughs> he was a big part of that. I mean, his style of drumming. Oh. to that kind of music instead of just sitting back there playing a beat, you know what I mean? I mean, I, I put him in the class of Bonham and, and those guys, you know. Easily, yeah. I right. agree with that, yeah. Yeah. That's been what Bonham did for Zeppelin, too. I mean, you need everybody, so. Yeah. It's Absolutely. good that everybody is good, you know, in the band instead of, the same with Ian Pace, you know, with Purple. He's an awesome drummer. Nobody, yeah. nobody even talks about that dude. <laughs> yeah. 
when I seen Purple the first time when they first got back together, I was freaking out at that dude. Yeah. He fucking jammed. <laughs> yeah. I just saw him this year, man. He's still going at it. <laughs> yeah, three three completely different drummers. Their styles are so different. And, again, you, I agree with you guys 100% that they they all have shaped what so many people have done afterwards. And, unfortunately, um, Purple as well, uh, Ian Pace specifically, maybe doesn't get the recognition he should, you know, so many years later. Right. There's a lot of great drummers, man. We can't forget Simon Phillips, Cozy Paul, you know. I mean, yeah. people that really rocked it back there. Lee Kerslake from Uriah Heep. I mean, you could go on and on and on uh, in the super heavy groups. Uh, great drummers, man. Yeah, and the, the the one thing that I always like to sort of um, mention when all these types of discussions come up. Uh, again, since they are so different, it's sort of foolish to say that one guy is the best or whatever. I think all those guys that you just mentioned are the best at playing their style, obviously. They had their own thing. I mean, Cozy Powell was so different than everyone else that you mentioned. Even Carl Palmer, um, just his style is just so different than every, anyone else. It's just a shame that a lot of times people want to, you know, sort of like compete with all that, and they're all such great, great musicians. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Agreed. So, back to the skull. Um, as far as material is concerned, are you guys working on material? Are you looking to just go out and sort of get your feet wet and see what the reaction is first, or you guys already have a schedule in place to go in and, and record music and have that out there? Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, at first, it was just to go out and have fun and play those songs. But then it seems like a lot of people are asking that question, and it is a natural progression for any band, I mean, I imagine, to, to make new music. I mean, isn't that be creative? And that's, to me, what it's all about, actually. So um, right. we each are, have stuff that we're working on always, you know, and... Uh, we have discussed right now. Everybody's kind of in the process of relearning those songs, so we can, you know, be good when we go out. But yeah, we've been talking about getting together and starting to write. Oli sent me something the other day. You know, <laughs> them guys are going to come out. We're going to start just seeing what's going on and stuff. And to tell you the truth, I'm I'm excited about it. I'm kind of it's my favorite part about being in a band, and I'm really excited about what it what it's going to be because it's you know it's it's like making a baby or something you know <laughs> in, in a way you know like you want let's have, let's have a family okay let's make a baby you right. know kind of thing and uh i'm excited to see if it's going to be a boy or a girl and <laughs> and stuff and naming it and the whole schmear like you know <laughs> <laughs> So hopefully, you know, we'll see what happens with the reaction by the fans for all this. Of course, that's going to play into it a little bit also, you know, but uh, it seems to me that everybody's kind of wanting it, wanting us to do that. So who are we to deny, <laughs> you know? <laughs> with uh, so many other bands coming out and doing... Um, what you guys have been doing for all these years. 
Um, was that sort of a reason for you guys to put the skull together? You know, you're seeing all these other bands sort of capitalizing on what you guys have done for so long and sort of saying, you know what, we can do the, You know, we can still do this. We let's show you guys how to do this properly. Does that ever come to mind? No, not really. No, I would say, yeah, I'll go, I'll, Eric, you got to answer this too, but, um, I'd say, um, that we are who we are and we missed playing together. And uh, so Eric will shoot around how that came about. We just wanted to do that again. And uh, we're just going to be ourselves, you know, and uh, it's just a joy to do it. It's just great to get out there. We want to get out there. That, yeah, that, that wasn't the, the motivation behind doing this. I mean, now as we've been, since we announced that and we've been, you know, things are, getting bigger and doing interviews and starting to book shows and all that stuff. I mean, we are noticing that there is a little resurgence in the, in the doom thing and all that. So I'm just looking at it as, as perfect timing, like in a way, you know, to, to go out and that, that music is happening over here in the States a little bit. It's not like huge or nothing, you know, we're not playing stadiums or anything, but right. there, there is somewhat of, that this kind of thing is is kind of popular, you know, bands like Pentagram and St. Vitus and all that, and it just ended up like, wow, you know what, we're we're doing this at the right time. It's cool. Let's have fun, and uh, it'll be a pleasure to see, you know, the band, talk to people in the bands and and stuff, and uh, I see no reason why we can't be a part of all this, you know. Okay. If you guys could put a bill together to tour... Uh, with the skull, if you could pick a band that currently exists and one that no longer exists, what two bands would you guys pick? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I mean, That's as far as in the, in the Doom thing goes, I mean, come on, what uh, the bill with the skull pentagram and Saint Vitus would be just like a dream come true for these people that that are into this kind of music. I think, you know. I don't know if that's ever going to happen or nothing, but I think we are doing the German one of the German shows with in November with Pentagram, so that's that should be pretty exciting. You know? Yeah, definitely. So maybe we'll down the road do some dates with St. Vitus or something. I think that would be great. I Trouble played in St. Vitus one time in Chicago a long time ago. Played together. So probably maybe if those three right there. I mean, as far as who we are and and that kind of music and all that stuff, I think those three right there would be a dream come true for a lot of fans of that kind of music. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. I'm, I'm just a dream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. As far as you guys as musicians, what do you feel the biggest change uh, that has occurred over the years, for better or worse, with you guys being musicians. <laughs> well, well, you want to go on that one, Eric? Yeah, go ahead. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's weird. Every time there's a pro, there's a con. You know, um, the internet right. is very odd. Um, but at the same time, it's a pro. Um, it may have caused uh, people to not go to bookstores, record stores, and enjoy uh, perusing through the aisles as much as we used to. 
in the day. That has changed, and that upsets me. Um, you can't even go to, like, big bookstores anymore. They all close down, not just record stores, but back to music. Record stores, oh, it used to be a blast. Sometimes on a rainy Saturday, you'd go to the record store, man. It was great. And now you sit at home at a computer and uh, and do that, and uh, it's quicker and faster. So the speed of it is, I guess, uh, is... Uh, yeah, and the, is and the Internet, too, people not going out because of the economy also. Yes. People not going out to the shows. I mean, geez, I'm not, we're not even done playing the last note yet, and there's already, they're already on YouTube, you know? Yeah, right. People are sitting in front of the computer doing everything now, and you know, and it, it has hurt the industry part of the business side of it. But as far as just writing music and being in a band, I don't know if that's really changed. Not for me, anyway. No, that still feels the same. Or even yeah. being up there when you're together playing yeah. feels just as good. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I think you guys hit on a very important thing there. I think YouTube has a lot more to do with the the downfall of the concert industry than, than anything else. Because, I mean, exactly what you guys said. Uh, if you're interested in seeing a band, well, you know, first of all, you can go to setlist.com, check out, you know, what they're playing, and then after that, check out the show, you know, that someone recorded on their phone, and uh, yeah. a lot of people are just yeah. skipping out because of that. The thing is, it never sound like what it sounds like in that theater or in that you know room with the great tone, you know, and power yeah. of the of the sound. And you can feel, you don't feel that with them little computer speakers vibrating. Well, in, in one piece. in one aspect, I I love YouTube because, and not for what we were just talking about, but for the part like there's so much music on there and that you forgot about and that you don't even know about. Yeah. Sometimes you can just get lost on there, you know, on the side. They have bands that sound like that. And all of a sudden you're, like, listening to something that, where is, where, what is this? So in that aspect, it does let you, um, it does reach to, to find new music, other music, music that maybe you never would have heard about, you know, or old stuff that you can't buy anymore. It's not, everything is on there, so... There are like Joel, like Oli said, there's good, good and bad, and there's a price for everything, you know. So yeah. just like with everything. <laughs> okay. And aside from the skull, you guys have other things going on. Eric, you released um, uh, Blackfinger, um, and uh, Oli, you have Heady Metal going on as well. Uh, can you guys tell us a little bit about? both of those things and any other projects you might be working on? Well, uh, Blackfinger right now, it's giving the finishing touches on the mix right now for the record. Okay. We, we released that song in November just because people, just to hear you go, you know, um, I think the version that's going to be on the record is going to be a little bit different, obviously. but And that's coming out, so just doing that, you know, it's been a long journey for that, and that's all, that's kind of coming to an end in a way. It's going to be out. Um, and just kind of concentrating on the skull right now at the moment, too. So it's cool. Everything's good. Nothing else, though. I mean, I can't. I'm producing a couple bands, too, so that's enough on my plate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, heavy metal has just been a joy for me uh, the past year or two. Actually, it's coming up on two years 
since uh, my first interview. So it's kind of like the joy you have doing your interviewing. But the thing that I love the most about it is uh, meeting people that uh, I uh, have never met before on the phone and uh, through these interviews. And it's opened me up to uh, just so much metal. And uh, I just, it's great. It's something that I, I noticed that I missed a lot in my life when I took some uh, breaks uh, from playing with trouble and stuff. So that's kind of what that has done, and it's helped me uh, get going again, jump on the drums and do this. This is uh, cool, and I go back to uh, all coming back for the skull. We were talking today that we want to focus, you know, and be strong and uh, have fun, you know. Okay. Fun and natural seem to be two words that keep uh, repeating throughout the conversation. So, uh, well, you know, sometimes people try too hard. You want something to be yeah. good, you know, and sometimes it's just good to sit back and let it happen, like, and deal with things accordingly as they come, you know, and not try so hard, like, and uh, just let it happen naturally. And that's what we've kind of be doing with the skull is taking on a little bit of an organic feel a little bit and, uh, and I think it's it, it's going to make it, it's going to help to be good. I mean, it's good anyway, but it's going to make it not on purpose, you know what I mean? Right. And not trying to do something. You're just, we're just out there playing those songs and letting it happen and having a blast. And the fans are, you know, they're going to dig it and hopefully. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's fun. We're having a blast. Yeah. Okay. And uh, you mentioned Deaf American right at the start, and you just mentioned that you'd been producing things as well. There are so many rumors out there regarding Rick Rubin and whether he's present or isn't present um, when the recording of an album takes place. From your experience, uh, where where did he stand when it came time to doing the Trouble albums? Well, he was involved in pre-production and getting the songs ready to record. Uh, and he was present during drum tracks. And then because he had other projects going on, he entrusted, I mean, we already knew what we were going to do. You know, we were, he prepared us to go into the studio. So and he has other projects. So he would like kind of turn it over to the, to the person that he had engineering the project. And after we were done with sessions, he would kind of, sneak in at night. He was kind of up all night long and slept during the day kind of a dude. So he would come in and listen to what we did and make notes. And when we got came in at in the, in the afternoon or whatever, we would look over his notes. And and if we agreed with it, we, we did it. If we didn't, then we would wait and talk to him about it first, you know. So it was cool. He, he taught me a lot on how to produce and the feel of the music and and you know sometimes a singer he's got to be able to be into it too to sing the song it can't it can't be what you want it has to work you know and be the right the right do the right thing for the right reason not just because this is how you want it you know right so it was a good experience it was uh, probably better than going to going to school for it okay and if people want to keep up to date with what the skull is doing, where should they go? Well, we have a Facebook page and a 
and a website. Yep. So, Facebook, man, geez. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that is every, it's like, wow. So, you post something on there and everybody knows about it, you know. So, <laughs> well, you know, people, we post when things are going up. And like I said, we have a website, too. So, those two things are probably the best way to find out stuff. And uh, the websites are uh, Trouble the Skull, right? Right, dot com. Dot com, yeah. And Facebook, I don't know what that is. That's just the skull. I just go there because it's in the corner there, and I just Trouble click on the it. Skull <laughs> dot com for Facebook as well. Oh, it is? Yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. And then off, that that, makes, off of that, well, that makes some gigs. <laughs> that makes life easy. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that little icon. Let's click on that. That's all I do. That's right there. <laughs> right where it says pages. <laughs> so I don't need gigs to... too. So um, that is going to be supercharged. I don't know if that's where we're going next, but <laughs> the uh, Dark Star Party, Days of the Doom Fest, Hell's Pleasure Fest, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, New York, Stoner Hands of Doom. Hammer of Doom, then a European jaunt, and Chicago Christmas. Yeah, there'll be some more around the Hammer of Doom in November. There'll be some other European dates around that. Yeah. So uh, we don't know what they are yet. It's a little early. So we'll, we'll find that out. As soon as we know, you'll know. <laughs> <laughs> you have the year pretty much mapped out for the most part, though. Uh, sort of, yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we were a little late for a lot of the festivals. And, you know, we were just at first just going to do a couple shows, and all of a sudden, wham, how about this? How about that? You know, and uh, okay. So, like I said, November is pretty far away, but Hammer of Doom is booked, and that is with Pentagram. So we're going to add a few dates. I don't know how many yet, but around that date. So in in other parts of Europe, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know exactly where yet. But uh, that will happen soon enough. It's still early. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it, though. I haven't been over there in a while. And my passport's still good. Hi, this is Eric Wagner from The Skull, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hi, this is Ole Olson from The Skull, and you're listening to Mars Attacks.
Tragedy Man off of Manic Frustration by Trouble. Yes, I know it isn't off of one of the first two albums, but I've always loved that track by the band. Love the way that Eric's voice sounds uh, on that track. I understand Oli doesn't play on the track either, uh, but still love the track. Still Trouble still has something to do with the guys that I interviewed. So there you go. It's my show. Sue me. (laughs) Um, Anyway want to thank them for um, coming on board and discussing the band. Hopefully we'll be able to talk to them at some point in the future as well. Really look forward to seeing what they do, if they're able to put out any music or what exactly uh, comes out of it. Also want to thank Lee for reaching out and helping set everything up with the interview. Just want to remind you guys to go to MarsAttacksRadio.com once again for all of the great information regarding the podcast, previous episodes, the email, uh, leave your comments, Twitter, Facebook, Google+, so on and so forth. You got all that great stuff there. So MarsAttacksRadio.com. Also check out Cast Iron Ring. Um, Also check out my good friends Talking Metal. They just put out a pilot, per se, of their YouTube show called um, Pirate TV. 
and uh, it was really, really cool. I love the gems that they do with different people. They do Snowblind by Black Sabbath with Rob Dukes on vocals. Excuse me once again, voice dropping out there for a second. Uh, Rob Dukes on vocals, Ron Lipnicki on the drums, Mark Striegel on bass, uh, Dan Lorenzo on the guitar, and John Astronomy on the other guitar. Very, very cool. And at the end, they have Billy May as well, and they cover a Kiss track as well. They cover Hotter Than Hell. And there's someone from Out Loud on there, if I'm not mistaken. I apologize for not remembering their name. I'm going uh, from my memory, so sorry. Um, So that's pretty much it. Thanks again for listening. Support your favorite bands. Buy their music. We'll be off to Sonosphere, Spain tomorrow. Should be cool. Uh, hopefully we'll have some interviews in the coming weeks. In any event, check out, before I forget, Metal Army America. Uh, I have a bunch of reviews up there that I've done. I did one for Six Feet Under's Undead, Angelus Apatra does The Call, and Kill Devil Hill self-titled debut as well. So check all those out, and we'll have an interview with Chris Barnes of Six Feet Under on the podcast, but I'll have a written format up even sooner up there on Metal Army America. So go to Metal Army America and check out all that great stuff. That's pretty much it. We're going to leave you with a track from Eric Wagner's other project that he discussed called Black Finger. I sort of put my foot in my mouth. Uh, I bought the single when it came out on iTunes. And, um, you know, I thought that an album was out, and obviously it isn't. He cleared that up during the interview. So this is All the Leaves Are Brown by Blackfinger. Uh, We'll leave you with that. Thanks again for listening, and see you next time right here on the Mars Attacks podcast.